Hi, I'm Mike. I'm Josh. I'm Dave, the one who sounds like Mike. Uh, I'm also Josh. (laughs) This is Does It Suck Now? Now. Now. We sound so appropriately enthusiastic for this episode. I feel like we're going to pigeonhole ourselves because we're going to be like, we're like four white guys who watched some crappy sci-fi fantasy movies and loved them. And as soon as we get to a rom-com, at least personally, I'm going to take a dump all over this movie. Uh, you know what, then? I, I've already decided, I kind of had a feeling this is how it was going to go. And I took all my notes and did all my analysis. I'm going to defend this movie. And all right, good. Uh, yeah, Ow. I'm ready. Okay. So, what movie know. is it, Mike? So this week we are doing a 1987's Mannequin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> comedy fantasy romance epic. <laughs> <laughs> so technically, this is another fantasy movie that we are doing. It's true. Uh, Literally true. I'm going mm. to read the description here. Uh, <laughs> this is a really good one because I I watched it. I streamed it on a really like bootleg site that just kept like trying to give me porn. Oh yeah, it wanted me to play so many 3D virtual reality porn games. <laughs> that promised that's... me that I would come so fast. <laughs> <laughs> like. Seventeen seconds is a very specific time, but anyway, worst, yeah, I, I digress. The worst so here, how topical this conversation is considering the movie. Here's the movie description from one two three putlocker dot yt. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> <clears throat> Jonathan Switcher is a young artist. <laughs> he doesn't seem to last in any job he does, but when he <laughs> builds a mannequin. He makes it so perfect, he falls in love with it. It was the first thing he made that makes him feel like a real artist. The man. (laughs) It should have said feel like a real man. They really chickened out on that. Mm. Mm. No, he's no, he's an artist. The movie they're describing artist. He's like a (laughs) artist. Call him a artist? No, like a man artist. artist. Ran the words together. He's a man artist. Artist. (laughs) So. (laughs) <laughs> when uh where is it oh, the mannequin ends up in the window of a big department store when he saves the life of an old lady who happens to be the Ugh. owner of that store he is she's rewarded. delightful whoever that lady is from golden girls oh, or whatever still getty yeah she's yeah. awesome <laughs> he is rewarded by getting a job as a store stock boy Later, the mannequin comes to life as Emmy, who Whoa, was an skipped ancient... a couple scenes there. <laughs> was... <laughs> Wait, this is the end of it. Thank God. Later, the mannequin <laughs> comes to life as Emmy, who was an ancient Egyptian living in the year <laughs> two fifty one. She's so Wait. Egyptian. She's Wait, deeply let me get Egyptian. The year, the year straight. Yeah, here. it's twenty four fifty one. I was about to no, call no. him out on that. No, no, no. It's twenty five fourteen BC. Oh, fucking dyslexia. <laughs> 2514 BC, where Jewish mothers apparently ruled Egypt. 
These kids were so white looking. That was twenty five fourteen New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, she was yeah, like, exactly. "When are you gonna marry a lawyer?" Oh my god! So, I got you. <laughs> I, wait, so wait. All, what's the end of the summary? Is that it, Mike? Is that's that... the end of the summary. Okay, let's, let's go go. <laughs> so, yeah, that it opens up in Egypt where Emmy is restless <laughs> because she has to marry a dumb shoveler or something and she has a jewish mother in there the wedding has been all arranged oh please god please get me out of this you turn down the jeweler you turn down the grain you turn down the pharaoh's food taster there's only one man left who will have you you are going to marry hazarah so what does he do he's a fuel merchant mother all right, so he sells camel dung. Forget it. You forget it. Mother, I don't want to settle down. I want to do things. I want to invent things. I want to try things that nobody's ever tried before. I want to fly. Sure. And I want to smoke and tell your father to go to hell. Mm. Oh, Emmy. If I thought we women could anyway change anything, don't you think I'd encourage you? Not, 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 not these Which, are why, you know, is, why is Emmy dressed as a mummy already? Is it just I reinforcing thought this the point? Or is she that... was hiding from her mom. She was trying to hide from her by pretending to be a dead body. Got it. Mm-hmm. All right. No, I was wondering. I missed that completely. I think this scene is, you know, the director, uh, what's his name? Michael Gottlieb. Trying to like get at the the you know the fact that things just haven't changed over time, and we're, <laughs> we all are annoyed by our mothers, and we all don't want to be forced to marry someone, and we all just want well, to be turned turn into mannequins. Yeah, it's like a woman's a woman's. I'm treading carefully because obviously none of us are women, but it's like a you know a woman's rights commentary, right? Right, strong, right. independent well, Egyptian princess. That's what yeah, it is. She, like, sorry, are, you, t- are you guys trying to assign meaning to this movie? Is that what's I'm <laughs> trying really hard. Yeah, I'm mm. really trying. <laughs> it was obviously dumb. I think that was the point, though. And this was a consistent dumb. pillar of my defense throughout. Is <laughs> never at once did this movie ever try to do anything seriously. But here's how it failed. I, I have the number one reason it failed, and I and this is not plot relevant. So the movie is called Mannequin, right? And a significant part of the movie is based on the fact that these mannequin displays are like mind-blowing and changing the fate of this business. And the mannequin displays suck. They just fucking suck. <laughs> they <laughs> they're not exciting. They're like yeah. they're like two mechanical things like it's like uh like mannequins riding a bicycle and there's 300 people outside going, "Ooh." Ah. All right. You know what? I will say this a- in defense. That very store used to have an animatronic Christmas display every year that yeah, had the same awesome. ten dolls still does. twirling back and forth, yeah. and people would line up and pay five dollars each to go in and watch that. Now you're going on the tour and everything that changed daily with the same sort of animatronic technology with an artistic eye. I can see how it would draw a huge crowd. But just remember, logic, <laughs> Josh Sprague. Just remember that those displays were so good that he changed the financial health of that store in like four days. Right. I know. That's what I'm saying. And it wasn't, it was definitely not Christmas time. Like I, I, so for anyone listening, all of us either do or, or we all have lived in Philadelphia. So this movie is going to get bonus points from all of us. Dave, you never lived in Philly. No, you live near Philly. 
You live next I mean, to you it. Grew up five grew up miles, but you could see it from your roof. Yeah, yeah, no, I I grew up. I never lived in Philly technically. Right. I moved to New York when I was eighteen, but right. from you guys living there, obviously, I was in Philly a yeah. lot. And so, so my point is that this movie gets like bonus points from all of us because of our all emotional ties to the city. It oh still, yeah, it fucking sucks. <laughs> I still sucks. put in like big big letters. I just put like Philly. Because it's just like, right, this is Philadelphia. Cool. Hold on, dude. Philly, but it's see that note? Right. I wrote yeah. it, too. I wrote the same thing. <laughs> I, I really appreciate that this movie, like, when they go into James Spader's office and you see out the window of it, that's Philadelphia outside. Like, they are inside of a Philadelphia building shooting that scene with Philadelphia going on outside of it. And I just appreciate that. And it's not just because of Philly, but, I like, I hate when, like, uh, it just clearly looks like um, a, a, a set. When it's like an yeah. office or something like that. I like when you just yeah. go on location, you shoot the movie there. I just really, I, I like that. I give the movie some points for that. There I, you go. I agree with I you. I said something nice. Yeah. That's and half, my be- half my beef with Brooklyn Nine-Nine, as much as I love that show, I hate that it takes place, obviously, in L.A. And it's constantly when right. they're outside doing stuff, you're like, <sighs> or, or the <laughs> Irishman. Really. The Irishman uh, is the worst because it is literally shot in the neighborhood I live in now in Ridgewood, Queens, and it's saying he's going to like the Schuylkill River when he's just like clearly in the Gowanus <laughs> Canal. It's <laughs> annoying. It's like wait, I'm is the, the Irishman supposed to take place in Philadelphia? A lot of it is. Oh. Yeah. See, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. <laughs> I also didn't see the Irishman, and I have never no plans to see the Irishman. They did name the <laughs> dog. The name of the uh, the guy from Police Academy's dog was Rambo. Proctor, true. Proctor. So they named the dog Rambo, and I wonder if that was like a Sylvester Stallone nod because it's like we're in Philadelphia. Sure, it was. But no. But then he replaces it with an actual, you know, like German Shepherd dog, and names that one Terminator. So I feel like it yeah. was a little more. <laughs> I also want to address in the very beginning of the movie, Jonathan. The very dreamy Andrew McCartney. Is that is he McCartney or McCarthy? McCarthy. McCarthy. Right. Oh, you're all like <laughs> Patrick Dempsey. Come on. And fucking amateur. <laughs> but um <laughs> how he is dancing, right? And I don't know why 80s movies in general always seem to have some kind of like weird jamming out scene, but they cut to this amazing shot of this dude with the mustache just jamming out. No reason for the movie, and it's in the very beginning of the movie, and it's hilarious. Oh, yeah. And he just I know you're talking mm-hmm. about. Oh, when when he's making the mannequin. Mm-hmm. Let's yeah. talk about this. Let's yeah. talk about young Andrew Switcher, or no, wait, he's no, Jonathan Switcher, Switcher. Jonathan Andrew Switcher. McCarthy. Yeah, he. Um, <laughs> Let's talk he gets about fired. Him. How how in what sort of time frame are we supposed to believe he gets he's fired so from like those? Five jobs. Well, you, you didn't find his uh, his charisma at all. It didn't. Stick well, he at all almost the kills the kid. No. He almost kills the kid when he's making balloon animals. It's true, which, right? Yeah. <laughs> he apparently I, nobody likes peppers on their pizza. Is that what I was gaining from that sequence where he's placing? I know he's placing them. And it's supposed to be like artistic. He's wasting he's taking time, too long. I guess. Yeah, I yeah. Because he he's an artist. I think they're driving the home that he's an unemployed artist. Yeah, I, the, Mike, which, by the way, he lives in a loft. Which in every which every eighties movie, whenever they're an artist or they gave up their job on Wall Street, they always are in some loft it's somewhere. A beautiful it's a, apartment. It's yeah, a really yeah. nice apartment. 
That, so he another, would never be able to afford that apartment. <laughs> maybe in 1987 <laughs> Philadelphia. <laughs> maybe. We're getting yeah. fired all the time. So one thing that this movie is bad at, and this is why I think it's a bad movie, and it's not... I just want to say, like, I don't want to come off as somebody who, like, hates rom-coms or anything like that, because I don't. I just, like... Like, it bothered me that they set up this whole thing where he, like, he just wants a job that helps him express his art. He gets that job, and then he just spends, like, 10 minutes saying how he doesn't want it, and he can't handle it at all. Like, those kind of things annoyed me. That really, really bothered me. Those were the only woman. things that annoyed you? <laughs> Wait, know, but, but, like, how about this? If, if, you, if you boil that down and spit it back at you as, like, a movie theme, the yeah. guy that you know, strives to get something, finally attains it, and then loses the confidence that he can handle it once he has it. I feel in bare bones. That's a pretty, you know, solid trope right there. That's fair enough. So what is the lot? So he gets the job. He's, they have the whole, like, um, when we were talking about Too Real and Buster Keaton and everything, there's so much of that. I'm assuming that the director was a big fan. Because there's so much of it, but a lot of times it does not make sense. And I love comedy. I like a rom-com. I think we should do Love You to Death at some point with Kevin Klein and Tracy Ullman to kind of like cleanse our palates. But <laughs> <laughs> um, he gets the job, right? And she comes to life. And uh, did they explain the logic of her magic in the opening um, animation credits because that really confused me. I was like, are they explaining her like through time? Was she the Mona Lisa? Right. Well, I didn't get that so glad you brought this up. Was that I like think we, I think we really need to dive into this. But like, yeah, there's what no is the rule behind this? So I'm, what I'm I like this rule. movie. What I think happened was they hired an animator. They found a cool song. They told the animator this movie's about a sexy mannequin. She comes to life and does stuff, <laughs> and then he animated that. And then they made they uh, had made this movie that he didn't see, right. uh, <laughs> which I mean I was also very confused on the rules because besides the fact that everybody was just like cool with him like fucking a mannequin <laughs> in the middle of the department store like they not only cool like, with it was like they were like totally room. into it it was like their kink they would run to the door and listen in. <laughs> Whenever oh, yeah. he takes the mannequin into the storeroom, they're like, <laughs> you know, ears pressed to the door, like. Who's crying? It's either our new vice president, the fairy, or the dummy. <laughs> and oh, weirdly, yeah. weirdly, I'm going to give this movie a little bit of credit again here. I think this movie uh, is is pretty open minded for how weirdly sexist it also is, but it's also like <laughs> like Andrew McCar- M- McCarthy like. Like doesn't he, he? He refuses to like take part in gay jokes. He actually turns it on the guy. He tries to make a gay joke. Uh, I, I liked Hollywood. Wasn't that his name as a character? Yeah, 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 yeah. Hollywood's the, the best thing. Yeah, He's the and, best I, thing and, in the and I know that guy. Like I, I've, I have, I have friends who I had a friend who used to wear like, um, like tiger stripe Adidas tracksuits with like tiger angel wings on the back to work. <laughs> so like. Um, I, I know this guy. I liked him. I know this guy in Philly. I, I thought he was fun. And I like that. I like that this movie wasn't like a lot of 80s movies age badly because there's so much gay, gay panic. And in this case, the gay panic was like turned around on the characters and kind of made them look stupid. I, I give it credit for that. I'm going to yeah. I'm going to rebuttal here. Can okay. I, can the senator from New York take the floor? Um, I uh, I found the way they did the gay jokes 
too cringeworthy for me because I didn't think I thought they should have done it to Hollywood. So Hollywood gets the retort and gets to turn it back on them. And we feel a little empowerment. And I know I don't want to get on a soapbox, but I cringed, especially when the, the secretaries are all listening to the three of them in the bathroom together. And she's like, you know, it's like two fairies in a dummy. And I'm like, yeah, oh, you couldn't think of something better or you I will write something a little better. Like, and, no, and the, they couldn't actually. <laughs> I, no, I think I honestly think she I said wanna, it's the crazy, the fairy and the dummy. But I do want to say I? that nobody like uh, gay bashing aside, nobody throws more shade at Andrew McCarthy than hollywood like every every scene where like especially when he first meets him he's always just like walking in on him just finishing like feeling up the mannequin <laughs> and he's just like he's always just like you're a freak or whatever <laughs> <laughs> we gotta get the windows done <laughs> i'm uh, i'm jonathan switcher hollywood hollywood montrose doesn't it just sing? Oh, it sings, yeah. I'm a window dresser here. We're going to have fun, fun, fun. I am so glad you're working here. You are? Why, of course I am, honey. I never thought they'd hire anyone stranger than me. Shake that thing! Great, I want you to meet somebody. This is M. Me. Uh, very nice. Maybe I can get G.I. Joe and we can double sometime. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't understand. She Don't say nothing. It's cool. It's obvious to this country girl that you're an A number one creative freak. <laughs> Imagine pretending to be a stock boy when you're a major artiste. I am so jealous. <laughs> now, some people may find you strange, but not me. I respect that. Create, honey. It's like one of the funniest parts of the movie because you think it's like his his friend, but this is this dude is just like tearing him up. Like, <laughs> he's are some, some of the greatest one liners in the whole movie too. Like some of the best like <laughs> rim shot one liner jokes. I, I feel like this movie, like so, Catskills comedians were like aging and getting older, and like one of them finally had their shot with this movie <laughs> with the way that I feel that it's written, that it was just kind of written in this very like, you know, take my wife, please. You know, he's got a mannequin. It's okay. He's an artist. And like, it all kind of felt like a bad Marx brothers movie with a lot of horny white people. Again, a theme that we've seen, <laughs> yeah, but keep going bad? back toward <laughs> see, like bad or just sticky. Cause sticky. Yeah. But I don't know if that automatically means bad. I don't like think Spader's the stickiest. Oh, the he's Hitler. great. No, no, nobody's character is supposed to be like, like coked a out. three-dimensional, like deep character. These guys are like given like I don't know, like you be you know like evil Hitler department store manager, <laughs> like play it up, and he does it, and he's like you play the exact same character you were in Police Academy. He's like on it. <laughs> it's like Andrew McCarthy, you play same bashful guy that you play in every eighties movie, charming with a little bit of wit. Check. <laughs> wait, no, <laughs> like, wait, wait. I disagree with that. This is not a normal James Spader performance at all. I think it's no. like the opposite. No, of no, what no. He I'm saying it's the normal He's... Andrew McCarthy performance. James Spader. Oh, you said Spader. I said Spader. Andrew McCarthy. Yeah. Right. Okay, um, that makes more sense. Yeah. I, I have a question about the over horniness. Uh, of like all the movies we do- we've done, so this is something as we're oh, watching boy. this, 
as we were watching these movies and you know looking through it through the my whatever 1987 self as opposed to my 2020 self uh is there such a trope of overt horniness anymore in movies like that like that is every character like maybe in some movies they have like a comic relief but like pretty much every character is just like i'm down to bang i'm down to just get it on right now even even roxy decides to have sex with armand I know. <laughs> but no, Armand cannot get it up. Isn't that no, what's up with that? <laughs> that was the only good line in the whole... That, that was very that awkward was funny, watching. Yeah. I was watching that with my eight-year-old daughter, and that was, uh, <laughs> that was an awkward scene. I just kind of skipped through it, and she was like, why are you fast-forward? And I was like, yeah, grow no up. No questions. And she no bought questions. that. We'll um, deal with it later. I don't understand it. This never happened to Armand before. Never. It must be you. You're so cold. You're so, so unfeeling. Where can I get a mannequin to? So, uh, I was going to say, the, the, the only line, the only really funny, like, writing I thought in the movie was that it was when they're in the car at the end and everything's gone wrong, the Armando and what the girlfriend, and he's like, oh, the only cure for this is to have sex with somebody you can't stand. Uh, and I'm here, or something like that. Just like, all right, fine. <laughs> His sexual harassment of oh my god, yeah, that was very uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> it was. I, I wrote it down. Even not even from him. I was like, I, my note is like, Roxy gets sexually harassed for the entire movie. She really does nonstop. Yeah. That is her character. Like her boss, Armand, <laughs> like everybody. So so wait. So he he also all right. So he gets fired. We, we're up to like where he basically has falls into the window dressing job, right? Because the first night he's just helping out Hollywood and he meets like the why, guy. Why did you say Academy. like two words, Dave? Because I like the way he says Hollywood. It. Hollywood. Oh, yeah. Hollywood. 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 <laughs> love it. Mm-mm. So he um I, I love how Hollywood then has the whole like breakdown that Albert thinks his legs are fat and he doesn't know what he's going to do. Oh, is it Albert? Is, I was trying to remember his name. Yeah, I think it was Albert. Yeah. All right. Yeah. His boyfriend. Got it. Like, yeah, and totally. Andrew McCart- yeah. Uh, his body shames him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what you call it? Switcher's just sitting there and it looks like he's just like totally confused as to what's going on. Like so much has happened in this guy's life in like three days. He's fired from jobs, can't build a mannequin, loses the mannequin he loves and is in the rain. It's like, <laughs> I loved you. I loved you. And um, Hollywood just leaves him there. Actually lets this guy on his first day, he knows he's a stock boy. Or no, Hollywood thinks that he's working with him, right? And then leaves him there by himself. And I was like, what is, in any job, would you do that? In any job, would you be like... <laughs> Hollywood's an, an overreacting, eccentric kind of guy. Maybe Hollywood does. saw somebody doing his job for him and doing a great job, and him not having to work. And he was. Oh, like, and oh, by the way, <laughs> Albert <laughs> Albert body shaming him leads to one of the greatest one liners in the movie. When like a few scenes wow. later, Hollywood's like, "Oh wait, wait, wait." Uh, Jonathan's like, "Hey, what are you doing tonight?" And Hollywood's like, "Oh, I'm going to go have dinner with Albert. I hope he doesn't mind." <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> I'm gonna go meet Albert for dinner. I hope he doesn't mind. <laughs> I also thought yeah, Hollywood. Hollywood's personal life is more interesting than anything that actually happens in the movie. Yes. But I it does happen in the off. movie. So it's interesting. You're just you're back, you're just building up all the things you like. 
about so I do have one little note about when he's walking around as the stock boy in that scene before she comes to life. I, I just wrote, he has a pocket watch, fucking nerd. <laughs> <laughs> he also wears he also wears bowling shoes like for the like, entire movie. <laughs> he seems so, like the most annoying person on earth. Like I would I'm just putting, I would fire him from any alternative like, I would title. Never, yeah, me too. Yeah, alternative title, but I'm a sculptor. Like, but, yeah, <laughs> but but like he shows nope. up to pick up Roxy in front of her coworkers on a bike, right? And everybody makes fun of him because he has a motorcycle. That's a fucking Harley. And I yeah, wrote that and I was like, that is the same bike, I think, that the Terminator rides. <laughs> Ro- Roxy's tough because she does get sexually harassed the whole movie and it sucks. But also, I don't really like her even before all that happens because we were talking about this before we start recording, but like the, the building that she lives in is a pretty like, like you have, if you're living there by yourself in your like early 20s, you're making a lot of money. The Dorchester. And, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, we it's the yeah. And so she's like bitching her, her boyfriend out about how he can't afford to take her out for like a nice meal. And she's making six figures in 1987 at like 25 or whatever. <laughs> I was immediately like, I don't like this person. This is, this is not good. Oh, but, but they didn't play 80s, it up man. enough. They didn't play it up enough. Like we've seen this character in 80s movies. We know it. And you know, it's fine. It's good. But I actually, and the rewatching the movie, I was like, Roxy kind of gets the short end of the stick. Cause she's, I know she's money hungry, but they didn't play that up enough to the point where I felt yeah. like you are getting what you deserve. A South Philly Italian lady. Cause apparently <laughs> that's what you are. <laughs> she totally <laughs> is from South Philly. Roxy, yeah, Roxy with that hair. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. So she apparently only has two previous boyfriends, right? Before she comes to life because of Jonathan Swisher, loser artist, right? So her two previous boyfriends are Christopher Columbus, according to her, somehow, and Michelangelo, who she claims was gay because he was into (laughs) David, is the big (laughs) joke about that. Who isn't into David? But you know, so, I mean, so the yeah, the gods. She also shatters monotheism completely. She's like, oh, there's gods. You got to talk to them. It's all very plural. She's like, so the gods so, totally take her into the ether and only reform her into a person three times in history, and it's for Columbus, Michelangelo, <laughs> and Jonathan Switcher. No, according to the cartoon, <laughs> she's just, she, she's just been alive this whole time, like hanging out with Napoleon and. Um, you know, going through a lot of white people history as an Egyptian. <laughs> oh, I didn't pay attention during the fucking cartoon. No, yeah. Like the credits are the best part of the movie. <laughs> did, this, did the animator for this movie also do the opening animation for Ruthless People? Maybe. You remember that? Yeah, I wonder if they did because it seemed very similar. I just remember the opening of that movie because I was a kid and... You know, that's actually another great movie. But um, I want to dive in. It's got to be Egyptian gods, right? I mean, apparently, be like still got Ra. some sway. Ra. Yeah. yeah. Ra. And other ones. That's, or, my, that's my MC name, Ra Ra. Or so, like a Jew- Jewish mother's curse. <laughs> <laughs> well, then it's like, Yahweh, uh, right? But that would be monotheist, know. right? Oh, we're, I, yeah, you're ta- I, I'm, my whole angle's done. I'm, I'm, so, <laughs> I'm, I'm taking out Andrew McCarthy. I'm putting Eric Stoltz in this movie. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny like you that. should say that. Do you know they almost, and this was one of the facts that Mike derided as, what, what, what do you actually say, Mike? 
boring. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty-two boring facts. About they almost cast Dudley Moore in the lead role because they wanted it to actually be the downtrodden older store manager that falls in love with the man. That's a better movie. Uh, Dudley uh, Moore is a better I movie. Also, than, I yeah, also completely right. changed the Nazi. Um, uh, security guard to like an old man who you think is just oblivious to everything that's going on. And then at the end, it turns out he's been watching the whole time and he like helps out. That would have been a fun, like eighties cliche to, yeah. to yeah. do. That would- oh, well yeah, let's do this because then, right. So they do the first, uh, window dressing, which I I'm sitting there with, with Emily, for those who don't know, she's my fiance. You and, say it um, every damn podcast. They know by now. Yeah. Maybe, maybe well, we, have we gotta listeners. say it. <laughs> don't have listeners. It's just you guys. He's a proud, anyway, proud new, new fiance. <laughs> I am. Mazel tov. <laughs> she turns to me and she goes, that's not that impressive. I don't understand. Like the, the tennis racket one. I think right. the subway that's one is kind of cool. Yeah, the tennis racket one is not. I don't understand. The subway one, I think, is kind of cool because they actually had a like SEPTA car in the window somehow. Did you catch that when it happened? That's like, there. People, That's really there. That's Dave, the Septa Museum. Dave, you have to oh, think about it? it this way. Are these window dressings so good that they save a failing department store and put their competition out of business in four days? Yes. 89%. Absolutely. Sales are down. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Four days. It looks like maybe five days. If I'm being generous. This Wait, movie is also. Go ahead. I was going to say. Can we all mixed. agree that that Kim Cattrall is incredible in this movie? And once again, for the for like two half of our movies now, we've gotten incredible Kim Cattrall movie performances. I am I am starting Definitely. to develop a thing for Kim Cattrall. <laughs> She's great. Like, I might go watch Sex in the City now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but is it just a trope of of like eighties or or whatever female uh, leads that they have to have this sort of still? I don't know how to call it. Like a sort of like, oh yes, we're all going to go here. Oh, you know what I mean? Like, she, so Kim Cattrall does that, but then I also feel like. I saw that in Beastmaster somewhat. And then I didn't see the girl really that much in Kroll because she's not in the movie that much. But I, I feel like, was this a, an acting trend? And I'm serious. Like, could someone answer me that question? Like, was this what a certain type of starlet was supposed to be at, at the time? I believe what you were referring to is breathlessness, as we discussed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your girl, babe. Tony. Tommy, right. oh, yeah. Tanya, yeah, Tanya. Kim Cattrall is really good at breathlessness. Breathlessness, like yes, she like she just ate too much food or like, ran no, up a flight like the, of steps. Like her excitement when she gets off of a hang glider after coming down from the fourth floor of <laughs> the Wanamaker building <laughs> in a hang glider. <laughs> so yeah, look, it's that's that's an acting skill, and it's not always one that it's Tanya Roberts' I, greatest skill. So I do want to point out that she didn't know what a stereo was. But she sure as hell knew how to fly a hang glider. Damn right. <laughs> well, she she hung out with Leonardo da Vinci. They, that was like a thing. So I think that goes, that said, answers our question. With like the credits. Oh no, Michelangelo. The credit- Michelangelo, not da Vinci. And don't do a fucking turtles joke. <laughs> I'm not ready to go there. I thought she. Yet. They said she. No, because she talked. Well, maybe, but she talks about how she helped somebody invent a flying machine, and he's like, "Did it fly?" And she was like, "Almost." 
She, there's like a, a dialogue about yes. that in the movie. Okay, I'm sorry. Credit to you. You're right. Damn. You're absolutely right. Oh, who's the mannequin expert now? Sure. Uh, look, I'm very proud of you in the subtleties that you're picking up in this in this tightly woven time epic. I can actually, I can actually tell you the hang gliding scene is the scene when I jumped off board with the movie. Uh, oh, I just, that like, was... That, yeah. I was off board 30 seconds in, honestly. You, but you're I still, defending it. I was I know, so hard. But, I mean, there's, but I wasn't like... Ah, what's the way to phrase this? There's no way to I don't know. I, I just I just shut the brain down and went along for the ride, and it was a lot more of an enjoyable. Uh, it's because they promised me. Mannequin promises you within the first thirty seconds of this movie. It's like this is going to be wacky. <laughs> like it's going to be wacky. And I don't think it's good full wacky, of crap. Though. It's bad wacky. It's like throwing shit at the wall wacky, not like good wacky. It's not inspired. One yeah. of I can name you what, two movies. What is inspired wacky? Give me an inspired one. Um, maybe you mean that two of those people actually starred in that had the big exact trouble same character. Big Trouble in Little China is inspired wacky. Naked yeah. Gun. Yeah, yeah, but ten minutes into this movie, my note is Jonathan sucks. He's yeah, in he sucks. I hate him. <laughs> All right, he's, so let's, he's let's, an involuntary celibate or whatever they call those people. He's like, oh, an incel? Yeah, incel. <laughs> 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 All right, so he's not, though. He's got a girlfriend and a motorcycle. I mean, but, oh, that's true. <laughs> so here's my pitch for what you do. Like, if you could do, like, I always like to think of you can take an actor out of their time period and put them in another one, like in their prime, their like youthful prime. So I want to put young Kim Cattrall in a modern movie, but it's going to be a 1920s gangster period piece directed by Todd Haynes. Boom! Okay. Starring Kim okay. Cattrall yeah. as like the mole. And no, that's I my totally movie. agree with you. I think that's what that's Double what I find. <laughs> that's what I find about some of the movies we just watched, where it has this like Chinatown hard-boiled 1930s Dashiell Hammett yeah. like thing going on, where everyone's got to talk really fast to each other. And it's yeah. like, well, where did you come from? I came from Egypt, but oh, look over here, there's a hang glider. Oh, oh no! Bye, 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 bye. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but this <laughs> is. What the fuck, I mean, people? <laughs> this is the 80s, so a lot of the people, comedy writers and people, are either influenced by the 50s or from the 50s. Like, it's right. still Getty. Yeah, like, so no, in this movie. I completely agree with Mike. That's the point I was but like, that was so prevalent in the 80s. That was everywhere. Cast change. So. I would take, is it, uh, we just watched Rear Window, um, uh, the Hitchcock Stewart. movie. I would take yes, Grace Kelly, and put her in her prime at twenty five as the Kim Cattrall character in Mannequin. Okay, I, I, Grace I really, I, I'll defend the Kim Cattrall. I'll defend her in that character forever. I feel like yeah, that, she doesn't need to be recast. But yeah. I like no, Grace no. Kelly. I Andrew be, McCarthy, I on the other hand, I'm really warming up to this Dudley Moore idea, and I, I like I'm, Eric, really I'm still. Going, I like my Eric. I like Stoltz that. Idea, though. I like Eric Stoltz, Stoltz too for it. I think Eric Stoltz could have almost been in so many movies. Back to the Future, too, we all know that vanilla. One. Just like, we need somebody that's I don't know. as crazy. If you want to really nail... More vanilla than Andrew McCarthy, who's like the... He's like a vanilla bean with hair. Well, even even this... if you're like a natural vanilla with the, you know... <laughs> you're still not... You're still natural not a different... <laughs> I think this movie just like sucks in such a way that it would have to be completely rewritten because if you're watching this in 2020, like I had a million questions as soon as they would like start a scene. Why not just take the mannequin home if you want to fuck it? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> he does. He does <laughs> talk on his motorcycle. I'm closing my notebook. <laughs> There's so All many right. points in the. I'm done. In- I'm defeated. <laughs> <laughs> like I can't. That's it, though. It's like I'm done. I'm. I'm going to go get a drink. I can't defeat. If I suddenly realized the woman of my dreams came to life and I could only fuck her in private, I would immediately take her home. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! Uh, hey, I love you, podcast. <laughs> well, I just want to say real quick that me wanting to fuck a doll does not necessarily <laughs> reflect. <laughs> well, the comment I made. Wait, the you. comment I made about wanting to have sex with a doll in private does not reflect on my lovely wife Suzanne, who I wanted to at least. Oh, she's a doll. I mean, she's a doll herself. But I think as fetishes go, wanting to have sex with a doll isn't like that risque anymore, you know? I know. There's a whole mm. other movie made about it, right? But that's... <laughs> Wait. We, yeah, yeah Mannequin 2 on the move. Right. I saw the movie yeah. where Joaquin Phoenix has sex with his iPhone. I did see that yeah. movie. Yeah. <laughs> so, that wait, Jill, a... so wait, yeah. Jill. If you, if somebody at work... Oh, okay. You work at a place... Everybody knows this one coworker of yours is definitely fucking a mannequin. <laughs> Are you just cool um, with it? Um, it's really hard to put myself in that position realistically because you just need a mannequin. Yeah, <laughs> no, this what do you movie's mean? What do you just mean, you know really <laughs> based in fantasy. But all right, so with, if everybody else deal. in your office. Like ran to a door in front of you. Right. You're right. supposed to door. And you're like, what's going on? And they're like, oh, we're listening to so and so fuck a doll in here. You wouldn't run up and put your ear on the door. I just want to say we showed this movie to our eight-year-old. Yeah. I just like <laughs> well, that's one of my thoughts. So this movie was like one of my childhood movies, hardcore. Like this wasn't an in-passing movie for me. This was like, you know, really molded my childhood in so many ways. And um, I was really excited to show it to Emma, who's almost nine. <laughs> and um, makes it better. It was it, it's, and I've been I've been diving into the '80s catalog of movies, and what counted as PG in the '80s, or even was very different than what is now. And it's very cringe cringe inducing to watch some of these movies with a kid. And I just hope that um, she's understanding it on the level that I did when I was eight, which is like, I didn't understand it. So that's the only thing <laughs> that's like understanding really it. Like thing. you did, which is yeah. not at all. Which you didn't not, get any not. of the sex jokes. That was a hundred. That was a hundred percent of my reaction watching this movie again, which was just like my, I, it was perfect for being young and just being like, yeah, that's cool. They like, I think my, I was texting my one friend about it and he said, Oh, it's that fantasy of where you get to like stay overnight at the mall and like Night play with the all the stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, like that kind I, of thing. Play with what stuff? Yeah. Like you the, know, the, the stuff. Part, mm, I, I remember <laughs> remembering when I was a kid when he wakes up in the furs after she's not there right. anymore. I was like, Oh, ha, 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 why is he naked in a pile of furs? That's weird. He looks ha, so ha, warm. Ha. Yeah, <laughs> and didn't yeah. they make that? They made that joke about the. I love the scene where the whole. So this is this movie too. It's just full, chock full. Like when we don't have a plot, we're just going to do a montage. We're going to do a montage on top of a montage on top of a montage. Oh my god! The was one so of my notes. So many... The whole music. One of my Those notes about my this movie. My favorite parts, though. 
One of one of my notes about this movie is this whole movie feels like one long montage. There you yeah. go. Normally, I like <laughs> with that. some That's awesome like synth background over the montage, which is all you really want out the of the montages. 80s. As a kid, were my favorite part because that's when she's changing outfits. They're in yep. different scenes, and it still was my favorite part. I mean, it was the most fun part. It's it's I still loved it because I have such nostalgia for it, which I know is really a lot of the point of the movies you're choosing. For some, mm-hmm. <laughs> it, you know, some people have seen them, some haven't, but. Um, like that's really was the heart of my enjoyment was the nostalgia piece of it. Like I wasn't like, this is still really good. I just loved it because it made me feel what I felt when I was a kid, but I will say one more thing. And it's that, I think this sums it up. I always remember hearing my mom on the phone, talking to a friend about me watching dirty dancing when I was a kid. And I just remember her saying, well, she just likes the dancing. Like that's what all these movies are. It's like she doesn't know what's happening. She just likes it for the dancing, you know. And she was right though. I just liked it for the dancing. There you go. So does this (laughs) does mannequin suck now? Does mannequin suck now? Um, Without the context of a 1980s viewing, yeah, kind of sucks. But I would never (laughs) say it because I viewed it probably a dozen times in the 80s. So yeah. Yeah. All right. So to you, this movie does not suck really now this movie in, in, yeah. Yeah. No. yeah you can't you can't take it out of its its framing and context it, it's exactly. like what it is yeah mm-hmm. i want to ask jill one question yeah jill do you think like you know obviously growing up and and being of the opposite sex of the rest of us did uh-huh. you feel like the montage <laughs> i hope so but uh you know the uh that the montages were, <laughs> were like music video based because MTV was obviously huge in, in by 86 87 yeah. do you think that they're just that the studio was like we need to throw in this sort of like Madonna-esque thing for Kim Cattrall and I did look up the choreographer's name because that was some research. Choreographer. Some yeah. research oh, here. Sir. Yeah. That's nice. Vincent Patterson. What, nice, Vinny? Oh, Good well job, Vinny. Yeah, Do you Vinny. know him in the world? Also of, from South Philly. Yeah, in the world of choreography, <laughs> uh, is he a name? <laughs> no. Uh, okay. He's like that girl from, what was, uh, Oh, Mickey, uh, which I didn't learn that she became oh, a Tony Basil. choreographer. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. she's like uh, the hip hop woman on YouTube who, you know, was like, this is hip hop. When I walk like Pop this, and this is hip hop. Like yeah. <laughs> and that was exactly the way you Tony Basil and probably Vincent Patterson. But I don't know. I hope he would still be around and working. You know, who knows? It was a lot of shoulders. <laughs> there was a lot of shoulders. This movie, so the music in this movie was actually a point of frustration for me. Because I found, I, so I have this theory about um, the Steve Miller band, like that a lot of their songs are amazing 30-second intros that then turn into bad songs. There's like half a dozen <laughs> Steve Miller songs that are awesome for the first 30 seconds. And I felt like every song in this movie was just like that. It would be this amazing like synth thing <laughs> coming in and you'd think like okay here comes some like high energy 80s like montage and then it wasn't very high energy and the songs would peter out and i felt like really unsatisfied by every song in this movie like it started to be something but then it never actually went anywhere the best song was the one in the opening credits again because that was the best part of the movie and the closing and and yeah start the the like the basic main pillar song in the whole movie yeah Yeah. the uh the some of the music to me felt like music when you're in like a video game menu like uh on nintendo or something and you're waiting like pick your players 
It was just like very much like placeholder music where they were just like, okay, here's four bars of that loop. For the whole eight bits. Eight bits. And then it never goes anywhere. Yeah. No. Um. I like to say, oh, that um, as a kid, I couldn't understand why um, in any world that, uh, what's his name? Oh my God, what, what was this character's name? Andrew McCarthy, whatever. Jesse. Jonathan no, Switcher. Why, Switcher. Switcher. It, Switcher. Why Switcher wouldn't want to be with Emmy? Like it was obvious. She was beautiful and awesome and fun and so cool. As an adult watching it, I'm like, Roxy got a raw deal. Girlfriend. She she actually she turned crazy at the end, but she definitely like is but better isn't. off without him. I mean, she's a successful woman living in Ridgewood Square. What yeah, does she we, want with him? We you know? touched on that, and I would argue she okay. doesn't even yeah. turn that crazy, Jill. I will even defend Roxy <laughs> further and say she doesn't she's know breaking and this, entering, but she doesn't know that this man <laughs> is really alive. A, True. B, it's, she's not, you know, she's not, she doesn't know she's trying to put Kim Cattrall through a wood chipper. She just well, thinks she's she trying right. to do a... <laughs> but everybody thinks he's fucking the mannequin, so she got so crazy with the fact that her ex-boyfriend, who she likes, other than the fact that he is fucking a mannequin, so she tries to kill the mannequin he's fucking. Well, I, I feel like, no, okay, so saying the phrase Total kill thing. the mannequin is she a little obsessive in itself, because, I mean, yeah, that's yeah. True. What are we like? She, we're going for mannequin rights now. Think, Is that what we're? <laughs> ultimately, though, She's it's like Egyptian kill the mannequin. With very pale skin. I feel like it's framed as like a story of Switchers like growing up because he becomes this successful VP and professional, but really he just ends up with like a childlike, three you know, days in three girl. days. Oh, okay. Yeah, the whole this? thing. It's a little. I will, I will submit the two. She's like, you know, I, I talked about this with, with Mike before we went on. I have two different ways of looking at this movie that I think may at least try to make it more interesting for you, at least from an analytical perspective. <laughs> what if when Jonathan Switcher saves the owner of Prince and Company from the sign incident in that scene, <laughs> which is a great he, scene. That's a great if, scene. Yeah. See, there you go. That's think, good. What, that's good. Um, zaniness. What if he is actually mortally wounded in that accident, and the rest of the movie is his dying fantasy, a la oh, like wow. occurrence at Owl Creek I like it. He does try and stop the sign with like his shoulder. He like I know, gets he, he's like, like I'm gonna get in front of sign and then gets electrocuted <laughs> at the end of it, and then a quick cut to the next times. scene. After he gets Wait, a very comical whole... like live wire up the behind, he's dead. He cuts the whole right time. to the next scene. He's just that... dead the whole time. That scenario, movie, that scenario makes more sense than this whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's one this, possibility. This pitch, this pitch for the movie was somebody said, you know, we're going to go like this. There was Pygmalion. We made My Fair Lady. We need one for the 80s. Then they did like a mountain of coke. And we're like, this is what we're doing. And we're like, she's an Egyptian princess. No, she's a muse. No, no. Uh, he's got a really gay best friend oh no she's like madonna and then suddenly also why does he get in a fight with the security guard just because what did rambo yeah. see in that elevator what did he see right. that scared right. him so much can rambo see sense. her the fight's bad and then too. they get it's very yeah. badly done well that's one it's of my notes is, 
Why, one of my notes was, why is he beating the shit out of him? He just yeah. walks up yeah. to him and he's just like, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. He just starts beating him up. And I was just like, Proctor. We, we missed, like, why? Like, why they got they the just, fight? He's, he's, he's a, uh, he, uh, I forgot the guy's name. What was his name? The, not Proctor. but It wasn't Richard. Proctor. Proctor was his number two. <laughs> I know. Was his actual, I, Richard. Richard. That guy. Police Richard. Academy guy. Yeah, yeah, please, please guys. Yeah. It's like here's the chance to like set up. Here's the chance to set up this rivalry. But like, also, this is one of my other comments. Along with like, do you want to fuck the mannequin, take it home? Also, <laughs> which is the final comment the movie. But then he has really. to bring it back also, every no, no, morning. No. I started thinking about this, and logistically, that it makes it very complicated. Josh, you're getting way too complicated with this. <laughs> he gets, like, mannequin goes missing. There's, like, hundreds of mannequins there. They can just be like, wasn't there a bland, blonde mannequin here yesterday? And you're just like, oh, I don't know. And they're just like, oh, I don't know. What right. happened? But to who's going to help? Who's going to do the windows? Yeah, exactly. Thank do you, the windows. Yeah, that's why he's a VP now. Because he <laughs> does owe it all to her. Yeah, she's like his and muse. I'm, she needs him at the store. He needs her at the other... Also, yeah, she doesn't need store. to be a mannequin. Nobody knows. Nobody alive even knows who she is. She can just be a human anytime and never be a mannequin. There's no explanation for why she even needs to be a mannequin ever. Just go home with him. Go live that's with him. That's very true. Like, work, work, go to the window in the morning and be like, do this, do this, do this. Wait. Ra Ra the God was like... <laughs> You can only be in wooden objects, apparently. So she has to How embody did, something, right? Like, wait, where, where is this that is my own written in the love. movie? The wooden object. It's that not. Was... I'm just, I'm just oh. trying to figure out that part. <laughs> We're not making up rules here, Dave. There's kind of rules in the movie. <laughs> Look, I appreciate you trying to defend this movie, but I don't remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for letting me drop think... in. I oh, will. Anytime, I will Jill. just. Um, I'd like to. Uh, this is a hill I would die on. That this movie is um, part of any young boy or girl's '80s recipe of movies they need to watch. But it's definitely like second tier. We got to this one after a whole host of other better '80s movies, but I still love it. We've watched right. two Mary Kay Nashley Olsen movies in the last couple oh, yeah. days in our household. Both were much better mm. movies than Mannequin. Oh, okay. Now, now you're just taking shots. All right. So, Jill, what, yeah. what if you could, boy. if you could, all right, like throw out one or two tier ones, and we'll and we'll we'll put them on the oh, list. I mean, Back to the Future was a total tier one. There you go. Obviously, for any young girl or boy, uh, girls just want to have fun. It's an amazing movie. True Beverly Hills. We watched. Uh, We've watched Honey, one. I Shrunk the Kids. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. So fun. Never ending right. story. All, right. watched All on the list. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 I can't believe we're getting a full episode out of this movie. It deserves it. Kim Control deserves it. Can we go back to the war? Yeah, the war between uh, Switcher and Proctor. I was just like, I don't get it. I agree. There's more logic. I know he's not Proctor. uh, (laughs) He says Proctor. There's more logic. But there's more logic in in Police Academy as to what happens and why. And that's really the, I can totally get into like, you know, letting go of reality and living in a different world. Like I, I get it, but you have to like, give me a couple steps to get there. Like it does start out as like Pygmalion because he creates her. And he literally says like, you were my creation. I wanted to take you home. You made me blah, blah, blah. So that's like a Pygmalion, my fair lady <laughs> thing. But in both those things, especially my fair lady, he falls in love with her over time. 
So once again, I'm going back to that where it's like, <laughs> can you make it work? Like a little, give me a little time. Once right, again, okay. she comes so to life to be, and they uh, want to fuck each other. That's it. Terrible it fucking to be movie. a central it's criticism and I accept it. Are we sure this happens over four days? Or do we, do you know if it happens over like maybe two weeks or maybe? And he becomes VP. They do newspaper articles about him because that's what you do with window. We don't don't know for a fact that it's four days, right? So wait, I took a picture. This definitely happens in like a week. So I took a picture of the first um, newspaper article that like flashes up about him. And wow. Okay. They are so fucking lazy. (laughs) <laughs> they literally just put a headline above like his picture it says like open door to profits new designer attracts crowds but then you read the text of the article and this is up there for a long time the text of the article has nothing to do with anything it's just random text <laughs> it's just amazing that you screenshot yeah. this i love this i Go know ahead. <laughs> it just says thus at this conference all our governments found the themselves in unanimous agreement regarding this undertalking arrangements for dealing with questions and disputes between the republics were further improved that's the yeah. text of the article under his picture about that Windows. sounds like the crawl of like the phantom menace or something yeah. episode one i was just like <laughs> what the fuck they're so dude they're who so would have lazy. known in 87 they're like hey you know guys look in in 30 in 33 years somebody's gonna stop this movie <laughs> and read this fine print we better make sure it, we better make sure it matches with the plot I, of the I, movie at that the is laziness though that's that's laziness it is. That's the right word, Mike. <laughs> I I agree with with Sprague because it's I Mike. That's Mike's like, point. Mike made that. I agree with Mike too. I agree with all okay. of you because I love you. But Yay. um, so I just think uh, I I I think whoever was if it was the studio, if it was the director, if it was the editor, I think cutting comedy is not their strong suit. There was way <laughs> too many drop lines that would just like. There's one part. Okay. I love this part where uh, Roxy is with um, the owner of Illustrator. What it was? Illustra. Illustra. Yes. Illustra. Right. I see a and, long career for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it? I was at that part where literally she hangs oh. up the phone, like maybe to try to get Jonathan. They were going to try to hire him, right? And he has the worst line, and then we sit. Yeah. For about that long, right? There. Right. <laughs> and you're like. And it has that transition, like now moving on and split screen to next thing and watch over. I was just like, I, I felt like it was like a a teen movie, right? It's a teen movie that they put out that I think made a lot of money and captured something, but it's not a good movie. Would be my a lot of money, Mike. Did you do this? Did you do? Yeah, it did make a lot of money. They made it for like seven or eight million dollars, and it made like forty-five million or something. Boom! That's the most successful movie we've reviewed so far. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. There's a trope that I never can get behind, and like I'm not anti-trope. I don't mind like cliches in movies if I like the movie, but I don't like when like the major plot point of a movie is that somebody in power is mad about somebody below them helping them be successful. You know what I mean? Like they're like, these windows are brilliant. We have to do something about this. This is a disaster. And like, they just like yeah. force that plot in. I know it's like the sale of the building and everything. I just don't like that plot mechanic. I never like it in any movie. So this movie is funny to me because I, you know, we were talking about it and 
Emily was like, oh, it's, it reminds me a little bit of like a bad version of how to succeed in business. And I said, well, also or like a bad version of Hudsucker Proxy where, yeah. it, you know, it just doesn't fit. It's like, fine, you want to go there, go there. You yeah. know, I have no problem with it. Just or commit. A yeah. terrible version of Pygmalion. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that's, yeah. Which, by the way, we should, like, no, like Pygmalion is about a real woman, right? Not a inanimate yeah. object. Yeah. So there's yes. a little different. I guess she is technically a real woman who becomes a mannequin. Yeah. I still don't get it. I wrote the <laughs> I don't get the central point of this movie. I don't either. But you gotta give, give faith to the gods, man. They just they send this woman as a muse or a source of comfort to needy men throughout history that allows God, them to forward their worse. genius. My, I, I'm had so much trouble getting on board this movie yeah. after I love this. As I can't, a kid. I'm trying. I love this movie I'm as really a kid. I, I did too. They I did. made, I wrote, they made the guy who fucks mannequins vice president of the company. <laughs> the whole company. <laughs> I'm just like, does Everybody anybody remember? It. Like, that's why he was special. <laughs> My, there's that great line at the end of the movie where the old lady that owns the company, she says she installed those fancy newfangled video camera systems. Uh, yeah, she watched right? it all. And then he turns to her, he's she like, what did you all. see? And her quote is, I only saw what I needed to see. And she's like, Wait, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Even Estelle Getty's horn, a horny white person. Yeah, really. She's I watching mean... this guy and the, and the mannequin. But, but that means one of two things. Either she saw kim cattrall like like emmy come to life on the video and understand that he's not actually fucking a mannequin he's fucking a real woman or or he saw her fucking a mannequin (laughs) on a bear run (laughs) in the middle of the department in the middle rubbing rubbing suntan lotion on a mannequin's on a mannequin And she's cool with it. And she's and cool, she's cool with, it. with it. And she but makes just, him vice president. <laughs> you're the you owner. Something. Are you? How is this not awesome? How do you not love this movie? Is my time is vice president material. <laughs> you guys have made me like this movie less than I did when we started. <laughs> you're just a hater. Come on. <laughs> I was just about to say it's that. So bad. The haiku inspired by Mannequin. Imprisoned woman, eons in jail of plastic, has sex with loser. (laughs) (laughs) Ashley, segue into your point. Did you say jagway? Yes, and jagway. It's a dance term. You wouldn't get it. I don't. Um, Fart blossom. You wouldn't get it, fart blossom. Oh my God, I do have to play. That's my favorite line of the movie. When he said, but, when uh, uh, Proctor, God, I can't even remember his name. He calls. Uh, he's the night security commander. I'll play that clip right now. He says he's going to nail that fart blossom. Nail <laughs> the fart blossom. Come on, Rambo. Tonight we nail that little fart blossom. Which is your well, Bible? <laughs> That's your Bible. Yeah. He's talking about. Yeah, yeah. He's going to nail that yeah, the like, fart blossom. Is- I feel like that line came out. He turned to like a PA or like a gaffer and he's like, give me an insult right now. And he's like, fart blossom. He's like, he's a fart blossom. Go action. <laughs> All right. Jesus abs. I want to keep our theme going. Oh, the Jesus abs. Kim Cattrall. 
Kim Cattrall has the Jesus abs when she's wearing the crop top. That now third rated if we're going like definition of abs, but she does have great abs in this movie. She does. So, she has the best body in the movie, male or female by far, hands down. Hundred percent. Vote Kim <laughs> Cattrall body. She's great. I, I I am coming out of this movie still <laughs> still loving Kim Cattrall. I'm I'm like yeah. ready to go back and go through the Kim Cattrall movieography and see. There's got to be like a hidden gem in there where she does a drama and she's amazing. I'm gonna yeah, find like, it. Mad, mad respect. I, I don't blame her for this. This is no. not her fault. She did everything she could to bring this movie up. But I, another note that I have that really pissed me off was the way that they talk to each other is gross. It really it's, is. It's made me just like want to gag. You, the you whole didn't time. buy the romantic dialogue? Is that she would? <laughs> she'd be like, like you have to like, uh, you're gonna make your like your best window yet, and he used to be like. I love you. Always have. Always will love you. I love you, man. (laughs) That's Braveheart. You just mixed up the movie. Always have. Without. (laughs) Yeah, without. I thought thought you were going to go like Last of the Mohicans. I will find you. Last of the Mohicans. Yeah, I will find you. I will find you. Stay alive no matter what. (laughs) Also, that brings up a great point, Mike. Much like some of our other movies, okay, when they all are kind of together, by the second day, if I'm following this timeline somewhat correctly, they all act like from Estelle Getty all the way down, like they've known each other forever. Ever. Like, it's just no passage of time. It's a fast-moving world of window design, Dave. In a good movie, movie, that would not bother anybody. That's like how you know the difference. Yeah. Well, that's a great point because at least you would have some context for what is going on or whatever. Or you just don't care because you're having fun. Oh, really? What? The the stress of having this company being subjected to a hostile takeover by Illustra as as aided by the insider nefarious small James Spader? Is it enough of a pressure situation to create some strong bonds between that relationship? That relationship between James Spader and the cop, the, the store security guard. Is actually one of the best. Uh, Night security commander. Night security commander. That's one of the most fleshed out relationships and plot arcs in the whole movie. Uh, Spader realizing his mistake says, "And I put my future in the hands of a vegetable." He also has another great line, which is a throwaway line. They're in the car, and he's putting you know the shoe polish on, and, and James Spader just goes, "I'm not putting shoe polish on my face." <laughs> and it's like one of the funniest lines, but it's like a throwaway line. Hey, Mr. Richards, you better put some camouflage on, sir. I am not going to put shoe polish on my face. Thank you. Now, could we please get into the store, Felix? Yes, sir. But how much the pot. did you think of Weird Science, this whole movie? Oh, uh, I did. I, You know, I really, it's really wanted weird to watch science. Weird Science. I, I think what's the interesting thing that Weird Science does, and it's probably another movie that if we watch now, we'd be like, holy shit, this is terrible. But the difference of what I remember of Weird Science is that Sorry, uh, Kelly, Kelly LeBrock, her character, is like in charge and like she takes the boys on a journey into being men or whatever that is. Right. Like she shows them how to be cool. Like in this movie, Kim Cattrall just kind of hangs out with him for a little they while. Set it up <laughs> like she's, she, they set it up like she's got more experience than him, but it doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Except for the fur pile. 
you know, they find, they, she comes to life, they find different places to fuck. And then finally she comes to life and he's like, look, I'm not fucking a mannequin. I'm fucking a lady. And they're like, okay, cool. I'm a real girl. The movie's over. <laughs> Uh, all right, so before we give our final verdict on the movie, uh, our friend Megan wanted to chime in here. She recent she loved this movie as a kid and recently watched this movie as well and had something to say. And here's Megan. So I just watched Mannequin. This movie is definitely not good by any standards. I was left with many questions. I still don't really understand the ancient Egyptian storyline or why Emmy chooses to marry Switcher of all the people in history that she could travel to and marry, especially since he seems to be a guy that talks to mannequins and also wears bowling shoes all the time. Um, But overall, I would say that I had a pretty fun time watching this movie. Uh, The character of Hollywood entertained me, especially the part where he takes off his one wacky pair of sunglasses to put on a different wacky pair of sunglasses. And then at the end, when Starship's Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now came on, I was all in. I was super pumped. Um, plus, it's got James Spader in it, and I'll pretty much watch anything in the 80s with him in it. So I'm going to go ahead and say that this movie doesn't suck now. Well, there you go. <laughs> Megan, I respectfully disagree, but I like what <laughs> I you I agree with out. a lot of what you said. I agree, I agree with a lot of what you said. Except I agree. for her conclusion. <laughs> also, we did we did not give enough lip service to Jefferson Starship's fucking all time eighties jam. Nothing's gonna stop us because it is. It's just a jam. I love it. <laughs> it's true. I have a genre of music in my head that I call supermarket jams. That are songs that I loved at Pathmark going grocery shopping with my mom, and that is definitely high on the charts for that one. It's there are certain songs that are like foundational cornerstones of B101 and that is <laughs> that is one of them as well as we built this city and the other yeah. two to be filled in in a later date that's the same band there you what go be, to our starship be, if you could stick in a different song at the end what would you stick in <laughs> I, I put, that's a very personal question wait I have an answer for this <laughs> <laughs> the song from Karate Kid 2 fits in every 80s movie. <laughs> yeah. Peter Cetera? Yeah. Peter Cetera. That song. Yeah. I'll, I'll fight for your honor. That song, whatever. Yeah. That song. Oh, yeah. I am the man that will fight for your honor. That song fits in any 80s movie. You can replace literally any song except Danger Zone from any 80s movie <laughs> and you're good to go with, with Peter Cetera. Right there. That's third, third quarter. I have, I have two. I think that you could do All Night Long by Lionel Richie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That would definitely right. work. What was my other one? Shoot, I just forgot. That's all right. You so let's get into it. Let's get into it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's get into it. Uh, I guess I'll go to Dave. Does this movie suck now? Now? Um, You know, it's weird. After the process of going through this and listening to everything, I'd say this movie is fun for all the dumbest reasons you could think of. It is fun. And once again, I'm going to say this again, it seems to be most of our movies that 
if you had a bunch of guys and gals over and you wanted to do a drinking thing to this movie, that would be fun. That's the only context that it makes sense for me to want to watch it again. <laughs> but uh, does it suck now? Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> so wait, is your drinking game you just put this movie on and start drinking and then stop over? That's that's I agree with that. That's really start to finish. No, no. My drinking game is what is you have to do a shot you get a bottle and a inter- straw. Yeah. Every time an inappropriate inappropriate sexual comment is made, you have to do a shot. With your so, ego. Uh, that's great. So then the game then the rules that I said, right? <laughs> right. That's true. It's a bottle of Jameson. <laughs> Josh Sprague. Josh Sprague. Josh Sprague. Um, Does this I, movie suck now? I yes, it sucks. I tried so hard and I get the nostalgia aspect and there's there's no accounting for nostalgia, so I get that. But um I, I really went into this movie with an open mind. I, I like being charmed by romantic comedies. Um and this one, and I've watched some bad romantic comedies. I'm a big sucker for '90s, like early '90s romantic comedies. Uh, and this one, I just thought like it doesn't commit enough either in either direction that it needed to. Like Dave said, and it, the jokes aren't very good. The sex is extremely uncomfortable and weird and awful. And <laughs> and uh, and it's and the music cute. Like I said, I really if the music had been more fun and the montages had higher energy. I probably would have forgiven a lot more, uh, but it didn't do enough of the charming stuff to make me forgive the things that I really did not like, or even not flat out understand about it. So it sucks. <laughs> Josh Solo. Here we oh, go. Right. No. Yeah. I, uh, look, I, to be consistent with the way I've analyzed these movies, I just want to see that what they set out to do is somehow upheld through the course of the movie. And I read a blurb in one of the irrelevant and boring fact sheets that said that (laughs) even uh, Felix or Proctor from Police Academy thought they were going like... He's not Proctor. I know, I know, he's not Proctor, but they were <laughs> they were going. Proctor's like, is assistant. too cheesy and too like like kitschy, and he couldn't believe that that's the way they wanted it. And they kept checking with Gottlieb, the director. And he's like, "Yes, do it more and more and more." And his intent was just to be as ridiculous and silly and like eighties riffic as possible. And he absolutely succeeded. It was it was stupid beyond all means, but there were one liners that were funny. And as soon as I got over the fact that we had just watched like three eighties action bangers and this was like our next movie, <laughs> as soon as I got over that initial shock, I was like, all right, you know what? It's, it's got jokes and there's maybe one character I would replace. And it just happens to be the main character. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, I feel like every, it's everybody's delivering on what they're trying to do, which is just be like a ridiculous, stupid, funny rom-com and for that i don't think it sucks i'm not ready to say it sucks it's not a great movie by any means but it certainly doesn't suck okay that's fair that's fair yeah well, uh, well put, well put. <laughs> I, I feel like you're in the same camp as like uh megan yeah the nostalgia from it too i didn't want to be like yeah i just give it points for nostalgia do i give it points for being entirely shot in philly absolutely Total yeah. bonus points. <laughs> Love that. But nostalgia, I tried to remove from it. It was just stupid and like 
you know, like, yeah, cat skills, humor, sort of, and I like it, you know? So what I tried to, I tried to really come into this movie with an open mind. I love this movie as a kid. And I think maybe the shock of seeing it again, uh, like really like woke me up. Like, you know, <laughs> like the, like the, the smelling salts after like you pass out kind of thing. It's just like the spell is broken. I was trying to even decide up until we were starting to have our discussion. But then I realized the more I tried to just dig into this movie, it was just like getting the shovel stuck in an entire pile of shit that I just yeah. not like pull back out where it's yeah. like, I go, I go down one rabbit hole and I'm just like, fuck, I don't care. <laughs> you know, every part of that was like this. It's just like the way they're talking to each other, the, it's like nothing makes any sense. And and I go back to my initial comment, which was like, if you want to fuck the mannequin, just take her home. Nobody will ask any questions. Movie over. It would have been a better plot if you like had to take her home and then sneak her back into the department store. And you have this whole thing of like him trying to make sure that no one discovers that. Maybe yeah. I like Hollywood yeah. being the only one who knows because he's an eccentric artist. Oh, like, so basically having to just discuss this movie in a serious way in the modern era made me say that this movie a thousand percent sucks because yeah. I can't, Thank you. you can't analyze, like you can't analyze this. Like I loved mm-hmm. it as a kid and I just have to leave the nostalgia there. Like I, this is making me worried about doing other episodes of this podcast with movies. I love <laughs> as a kid because it is like, Oh, it's shattering my illusions of what okay. I once knew. I you know what, it, tough guy? Um, I, I felt the, the same original. way about Beastmaster. I revered mm-hmm. Beastmaster. <laughs> and then I saw it again. I was like, this movie's a fucking pile of garbage. What <laughs> happened to this movie? You're, but you're totally wrong about Beastmaster. Beastmaster is awesome. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. Be- like hey, awful. Beastmaster's on. So with all this being said, uh, when we're ranking our movies, does... Oh, God. Does... I feel like I feel like Big Trouble Little China followed by Crawl. They're not moving, right? Am I right. safe in saying that? I, so very true. Does this movie for you solo? Does that knock Beastmaster out of the third spot? Because I mean, I know what I think. I can't. I can't go there and keep both of my testicles. I really <laughs> go read. Listen, go read. Go read Roger Ebert's review of this. It's it's a half a star, which I think is generous. And he, he it's the most lackadaisical, like unenthusiastically written review you've ever seen. He's just like, this is a movie. There's the beginning and an end, and there's people in it talking. <laughs> anyway, <Yeah>. half a star. <laughs> That's and the way like, I felt. All right, Still. that's it. We're done on mannequin. Let's All right, mannequin. Mike. Thank you, everybody. That's it. Play Thanks the music. We're over. Play down. Good night. We can build a life.
Hey guys, if you like what you're hearing, then find us on whatever platforms you're listening to us on and follow us, like us, subscribe. Be sure to leave reviews and comments. That's all good for us. Also, follow us on Facebook to learn about what movie we're watching next and leave us a comment or DM us a voice memo because we put those all on the show. Until next time when we can ruin more nostalgia for you, this is Mike. And thanks for listening to Does It Suck Now? (laughs) 